He's going to work with our situations until we're changed into the same image. And so that we stand before him with great confidence, knowing that when we see him, we will be like him. He says, anybody who has this expectation, do any of you have an expectation to stand before him and be like him? He says, if you have this expectation, you start to purify yourself. You start to say, listen, if I look at him and I see him, and then I see me, I start to put off everything that doesn't look like him. Why? Because I have an expectation of looking like him. And this thing doesn't look like him, so I put it aside. So I don't know if I can do that. You can by the Holy Spirit. He's your helper. He's your strengthener. He's your comforter. He is the Spirit of Christ. He's the one who knows exactly what you're supposed to look like. He knows, the one, he knows exactly what it is that you're supposed to be doing in life. He knows exactly the things that he's gifted you with and strengthened you with so that you can actually serve others. He's not finished with you yet because as we are consumed with our life, he says, I'm not done because I want to get that all worked out so that you are powerful in serving others. There's people who are lost, who are dying, who are ailing, who are struggling, who are in fear of the days to come. He says, I need somebody to serve them. I need somebody to show them the light of the gospel. I need somebody to love them. I need somebody to bring joy into their life. I need somebody to bring peace into their life. I need my body to begin to serve others the very goodness of God. Say, how can I do that? I got a mess in my own life. You can't except for by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's so important that we listen to his voice. And Jesus sent him so that we could listen and understand his voice. John chapter 16. We've been in these portions of scripture. We'll probably wrap up this series or whatever we're in right now and begin something different next week. We'll just see. I have a sense, yes, but then I have a sense, no. We'll just follow the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking here, verse 12. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. See, even now there's some things in our maturity that we couldn't bear. We want the Spirit of God to talk to us about, but he can't right now. We're not ready yet, but he will tell us. He will tell us. When the time is right, he will tell us because he's ever with us. He's growing us. He says, however, when he, the Spirit of God, Truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. See, with all the voices out there, we can count on one thing. The Holy Spirit will tell you the truth. See, I think those people are lying to me. I think this is a hoax. I think this is this. I think this is that. Well, one voice is going to tell you the truth every single time, and that's the Holy Spirit. And he'll lead and guide you into all truth. He's your guide. You know, so often... Uh, people just want to make it on their own. But when you go somewhere that's extraordinary, when you go somewhere, you know, that you really want to know the history and you want to know what it's there for and and why it's there and and what's been done and what's the purpose of that thing, you don't just go and walk through it and go, that was pretty cool. You hire a guide. And if you have a good guide, right, which if you're a river guide here in Colorado, don't take this wrong, okay? But I've been taking people river rafting from Shoshone into Glenwood, just people come to visit. And there are very few consistent stories. 
In other words, those guides speak on their own authority. They come up with their own stuff to wow you and to woo you. And, oh, and see that little thing over there on that canyon? That's what that is. They don't have any idea, but you don't either. It sounds good. But the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority. And if you go somewhere, some very important place in history, and you walk through it, you don't want the guide speaking on his own authority. You want him to know the history. You want him to be speaking on the authority of the architect or the builder or the one with the purpose or the one who inhabited the place. You want him speaking the facts and the truth about the place that he's guiding you through. And the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us into all truth. And Jesus said he won't speak on his own authority. He's going to take the information that has come from the creator. He's going to take the information that comes from the savior and the master and he's going to declare it and he's going to show it to you. He's going to show it to me. He's going to take the very purpose for your life that was wrought in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and he's going to show it to you. The Holy Spirit's all about show and tell. Come on, he wants to show you something and tell you about it. He wants to show you something and tell you about it. Why does he want to show you and tell you? Because when you can see it, you can walk in it. And then he wants to tell you why. Why he's showing you. What's the purpose? Where did this come from? What was the plan about this? He wants to guide you into all the truth. He'll not glorify himself. Sometimes you get people spiritual and they're just making a big deal. But the Spirit of God always points to Jesus. He always points to the Father. We can always trust the Holy Spirit. You know, the only time that we have to be cautious of as we're praying, as we're looking at things, Ezekiel chapter 47 says, that, or, or 14 says this. He says, Israel's gotten all kinds of idols stirred up. And he says, when people go to the prophets and they start to ask me questions, he said, they've got so many idols, I will answer them according to their own idols. See, when you go into a place of prayer to know what the Spirit of God has for you, you have to put your own desires aside. What is idolatry today? Covetousness. So often we go to pray to get God's mind on something, and we already have our minds set. Young people have their minds set. This is the person I think God wants me to marry. I'm going and asking him if it's okay. And they desire so much that they come away going, I think he said okay. I want this car. I want this house. I want, I want, I want. And they come away saying, I think the Holy Spirit said okay. Well, he'll answer you according to your own idols. That's not really the Holy Spirit. It's your desire working, and he'll answer you because you put that first. He says, when you go in, go neutral. Say, God, I want your will. I don't want my desires. I want what you want. If he brings up the thing that's in your heart, it bears witness. But if you keep saying, I want, I want, can I have permission, can I have permission, he'll always bring that about. And so when we clear our hearts, we can always trust the Holy Spirit to bring us into the very truth that God has. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, God's not finished with you. He's not finished with us yet. Praise God, he's not done. Woo. Too much to be done, too much to be seen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we've been looking at this portion of scripture uh, over and over and over again. I love this, this portion that he talks to us about. 
In verse 9, it says, Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That would be a bummer, wouldn't it? To just go, God has all kinds of things, and I can't figure it out. I can never know it. In the Old Testament, that's where they were. God has so many things that we have not yet known. He said, Eye hasn't seen nor ear heard, nor has man been able to figure out what God has prepared for them, but, but, thank God for that but, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, the unborn again man, the man who relies upon simply his flesh and his soul cannot receive the things of the Spirit. They are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are not spiritually discerned. Listen, the world, we don't have the spirit of the world. The world's trying to encroach upon us. It's trying to tell us. It's trying to move us. It's trying to direct us. But the spirit of God wants to tell us the things that are out there that have been freely given to us by God. Many times we get into that place and we need to know and need to hear the spirit of God and say, Pastor, I want to hear from the spirit of God. I do want to hear from the spirit of God, but I'm not hearing anything. Well, I just want to share with you just really quickly. Sometimes we're not hearing from the Spirit of God, because in our day-to-day lives, in our, our moving around, we do not consider things that affect Him. We do not consider things that affect Him. We just get going, and in prayer, we want to hear from God, but daily, we're not doing things that affect Him. And so 1, Corinthians, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, amongst some other things that he's telling us to do according to the will of God, he says, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. We look at that and we're in a gathering as a church together. Sometimes you feel the Spirit of God move. He moves in different ways. Sometimes, you know, people only respond to the Spirit in certain ways. You have things start to bubble. It's it's churn and all of a sudden, you know, somebody will laugh out loud and all of a sudden it just seems to go a different way. They'll start to applaud and it'll go a different way. Sometimes the Spirit of God's wanting to do something and we react the way we want to react and it quenches the Holy Spirit. But day-to-day life, Listen, there's things when the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God saying, you know what, it's time to go pray. Let's not watch TV. I want to talk to you right now. And we're like, you know what, later. We quench the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God's ready to do something with us. He's ready to show us something. He's starting something in us for that day and that hour. And we're like, ah, I got something else to do. And then later we're like, Holy Spirit, talk to me. He's like, I was ready to talk to you. But you quenched that moment. He says, don't quench the Spirit of God. Listen, if we're ready and the Spirit of God stirs and we're like, come on now, come on now. See, but I'm driving to my car, I'm at work. All you got to do is say, listen, I don't want to quench you, come on. He won't make you just go pray at work and not do your work. But as you say, yes, listen, I'm ready. He says, all right, I know you're ready. As soon as you leave work, get in your car, let's get to talking. See, sometimes at work, we feel the Holy Spirit because we don't like work that much. And we feel the Holy Spirit saying, after work, pray. But then after work, we're too tired to pray because we've worked. Anybody? I'm just talking about myself. Don't quench the Spirit. 
So sometimes we resist the Spirit. Acts chapter 9, verse 51. I mean, he's talking big picture, but he says, listen, you always resist the Holy Spirit. So just as your fathers resisted the prophets and killed them, you resist what the Holy Spirit is doing. When the Holy Spirit moves and the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, I want you to go talk to that person. Listen, I want you to pray. I want you to go pray with that person. And we say, no. But then we say, Holy Spirit, I want signs, wonders, and miracles. Why aren't you doing it? See, day to day, when we're asking, we want him to move. But day to day, when we're not conscious of him, we can just say, no, I don't think it's important right now. No, I don't want to do that right now. But listen, we're quenching the spirit. We're resisting what the spirit of God wants to do on a regular daily basis. And then we wonder why clarity is not coming when we need it to come. We want to tune in to the voice of the spirit of God. We want to say, listen, have your way in me. I know you're afraid he's going to make me get all crazy at work and run around work and go, woo, praise God. Probably not. But he may have your, hand, have, you, have your antennas up and pray for the person that you work with. Where everybody else is saying, man, that person, they're just a complainer, they're a griper, they're, and he, he'll say, you start praying for them. And then he may have you strike up a conversation, a relationship, and you find out they're, they're murmuring, they're complaining, they're upset all the time because they have issues in their life that are unresolved in their marriage, in their family, and they just need somebody that can pray and can encourage them and help them. And the Holy Spirit wants to help them, and he wants to encourage them, but they don't know the Holy Spirit. The natural man can't perceive the things of the Spirit. That's why we're trying to tune in and have the things of the Spirit. And we don't have to be all wooey and crazy and and God told me. All we have to do is pray for them and then engage with them and then find out. And then we can say, can I pray for you? And we can watch God do what he wants to do. And God will do some pretty wild things that they're like, wow, that's wild. But it's not super mysterious. It's just powerful to break those things. The third thing that we can do without even thinking about it is grieve the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read the, out of a couple different translations, starting verse 29. It said, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The Passion Translation says it like this, and Never let ugly or hateful words come out of your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted his holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. The Message Bible says it like this. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you 
is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. Listen, day to day, we're just going through life. Somebody ticks us off. Somebody bothers us. We get into evil speaking. We get into corrupt communication. We get into clamor, bitterness. And what happens? The Holy Spirit in us is sorrowed. We're like, Holy Spirit, help me. He says, I'd like to. But you have to put off the bitterness that's in your heart. You have to forgive one another. You have to stop being angry about every situation that comes into your life. I've got something far better, but I can't give you something better if you insist on the words that you speak not being edifying, the the things that you do, the feelings that you have are anger and bitterness. They're not joy and peace and forgiveness. You say, well, I don't know how to make that change. We're going to get to that. He's going to help you. He's going to help you. But we wonder, why, why am I not hearing when I'm praying? See, when we pray, we want to hear from him, but he wants to be talking to us all day Every day. All day, every day. And the last thing, sometimes why we're not hearing what the Spirit of God has to say is because he's been insulted. He's been insulted. Hebrews chapter 29, it says, speaking of Sinning willfully after we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he says, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy? The one who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. So wait a minute, I would never insult the Spirit of grace. When you say, I can't stop doing this, Or, I don't want to stop doing this, but I want the blood of Jesus to cleanse me. You insult the spirit of grace because you're trying to control it and you're trying to figure it out. But the spirit of grace comes in to wash you, to cleanse you, and to set you free from sin. Not allow you to continue sinning. I believe that a generation that tried to operate in the grace of God and they used the grace as permission to sin. doesn't matter if I sin. Grace covers it. It was an insult to the spirit of grace. He stopped moving because grace was never imparted so that you could sin and feel good about it and act like it's okay, it's already covered. No, grace was given for us to overcome sin, not stay in sin. When we stay in sin and say grace covers it, it's an insult. Grace didn't cover it. Grace came to empower you to overcome it. So we don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to resist the spirit. We don't want to grieve the spirit. We don't want to insult the spirit of God. Why? Because we want clarity of the voice of the spirit of God. So be careful as you go through everyday life. Watch what you're saying, how, how you get upset at things and do that. And be quick to repent. Be quick to ask the Holy Spirit to forgive you. Walk every day listening to the Holy Spirit. So you're not saying, no, Holy Spirit, not now, not now. You're not resisting the Holy Spirit. Don't quench him when he's stirring something up. 
Don't pour, pour water on that fire that he's trying to stir in your heart, that anticipation, that expectation. And really, don't just go ahead and sin just because you can. He's empowered you to be able to overcome that sin. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Y'all still with me? Starting in verse 17. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We know the different translations say this, where the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty. Everybody highlight that, underline that. There's liberty. There's liberty. Where the Holy Spirit is allowed to be Lord of our life, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. I want to ask you this question today. What's your mirror telling you? Who told you? What mirror are you looking into? It says, listen, we are changed as we look as into a mirror. We behold our face as in a mirror. And the Holy Spirit is allowed through that mirror to talk to us and to tell us things. But I submit to you that there's three mirrors. You might have more mirrors. But many people are looking in, number one, into the rear view mirror. This is a big one. I got it off the boat. Because most people don't have a small rear view mirror. And they have a big rear view mirror. And people are going through life looking into the rear view mirror. And they're looking, seeing back there. I see back there the entrance of the church. You know, that entrance, that, that entrance reminds me of that day that I walked into that church and that church person gave me that look. That look, if they were a Christian, they never would have, oh, 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 and over here I see Brad. Oh, I could tell you some things about Brad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I see those flags up there, missions. I was called to missions one day, but... The rearview mirror is always talking to you about your past. The rearview mirror is always telling you what woulda, shoulda, coulda been. The rearview mirror is reminding you of the wounds and the people who hurt you. It's not just looking. It's gathering people to say, look, look, you think I'm lying? Look into my mirror. Come on, I'll show you right here in my mirror, right back there in that corner right there. That's when that happened. That's when that happened, and that's who did it. And your mirror starts talking to you. It says, because of these things, you'll never amount to much. You've messed up. People have hurt you. You're wounded. You're so wounded. Don't ever think you can get up and run again. You're wounded, man. Your rearview mirror will tell you you can never be healed. You can never be made whole. It was too much. It was too big. Your rearview mirror leads you into addiction. Because what's the hope of moving forward? Because all we have to do is look into our past and disappointment starts to work on us. And we think all we're going to do if we try to move forward is our past is going to repeat itself. People begin to look into the rearview mirror and say, you know what? That happened to me. And why in the world did God let that happen to me back then? 
But God's not looking into the rearview mirror. And your rearview mirror will tell you you've been disqualified. You can't do it. You're not able. Forget about it. God's finished with you. It's time to stop looking into the rearview mirror. The Holy Spirit does not talk from the rearview mirror. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I have not yet arrived at where I'm going, but this one thing I do, I forget that which is behind, and I press, I press forward, I press. So you can't press forward looking in the rearview mirror. You'll have an accident. You'll have an accident. The second mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Come on, it's a natural mirror. Come on, you wake up every day and you look at that face in the mirror. What's that mirror telling you? It's the same thing it told whatever her name was, the evil queen. In comparison to Snow White, you ain't that much. The daily mirror that you look in will say, you're okay. I don't know about your mirror, but my mirror speaks to me. Times are changing. Your gift won't cut it in the church world today. Maybe you should give it up. You're not qualified. The way things are going today, it's gone by you. If you look in that mirror, it'll always compare you to somebody else and what somebody else is doing. It'll always tell you you don't quite measure up. Just be satisfied with where you are. But listen, if you're not satisfied, what that day-to-day mirror will do is it will cause bitterness. It will cause envy. That queen sought to kill Snow White. Why? Because sought to be the most beautiful. And as long as there was one more beautiful, I'm going to set my heart to eliminate that one. Saul was looking in that mirror, and he said, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the greatest king of them all? And they said, you've slayed your thousand, but David has slayed his 10,000. You're not good enough. You need to eliminate David to be good enough. When our mirror talks to us like that, we begin to start talking people down to build ourselves up. We think if we put them down, somehow we'll look and say, now mirror, mirror on the wall. And the mirror still knows, and they say, no, the others are still fairer. And it just creates an eternal frustration that I'm not good enough, not strong enough, not tall enough, not talented enough. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul said, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's not good for your rearview mirror to be the dictating voice in your life. It's not good for the daily mirror that you look in that shows you how you've changed and how the years have put wear and tear on you and begin to compare that 
with the life that you wish you had or coulda, woulda, shoulda. See, they start to blend together. You begin to look in the mirror of today, and when you start comparing, you start going back and having the reasons why today I'm not what I should be. But what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says is look into this mirror. Because the voice of this mirror is the Holy Spirit of God. And when you look into this mirror, it won't talk about your past. There's something alive in this mirror that won't compare you with others. When you look into this mirror and the voice of your rearview mirror tries to say, look at your past, this mirror will begin to reflect and show you that you are forgiven. Listen, it won't just tell you that you're forgiven. It will show you that you are forgiven. You need to see in this mirror what it looks like to be forgiven. Not mentally a sin, yeah, 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 Jesus forgave me, but still live under the condemnation of your past. It becomes dead religion to say, yeah, yeah, Jesus forgave me, I'm going to heaven, but live under all the experiences of your past. But to know and see what it looks like to be washed of your past and have a brand new you free from all that junk reflecting back at you. That's the power of this mirror. This mirror will show you what righteousness looks like. It's a religious word to most of us. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And you read it, but if you delve into it and you meditate on it, you begin to see what righteousness looks like. Because I'm forgiven, I'm made righteous. I am in right relationship with Jesus. And I want to maintain that. So sin doesn't enter into the equation for me because I'm in relationship with Jesus and it doesn't please him when I sin. And I have the ability to not sin. This begins to show you the power of grace. Begins to show you the overwhelming comfort of mercy. And to see yourself forgiven, to see yourself righteous, to see yourself able, empowered, to see yourself gifted, to see joy in your life where you've been depressed and you think, I can, can I ever get out of it? To see yourself laughing and singing. Not because everyone else is. When you wake up in the morning and there's a song in your heart. It's in this mirror, not your rearview mirror. Might not be in your present mirror. It's in this mirror. And listen, if you were depressed and you see joy, transformation. Why? Because just as that mirror on the wall, I don't pay much attention to this. I know ladies do. If you're really going to look good when you go out, the lighting has to be right. This mirror is surrounded with the light of his glory. When you look into it, having not grieved, having not insulted, having not quenched, having not resisted the Holy Spirit, 
the Spirit surrounds it, and you look into this, and you see the new creation in Christ Jesus. It's no longer a mental ascent. It's no longer just a prayer. It's no longer what I do to go to church. It starts to open up and reveal and reflect back at me. This is who I am. Who told you you could be righteous? The Holy Spirit told me when I saw it in the mirror. Who told you you could be forgiven? The Holy Spirit told me when I saw it in the mirror. Who told you you could serve others? I saw it. He told me. Who told you you could be the light with all those dark people around you at work? I saw it. The Holy Spirit told me how I'd be light. Every day, people get up and they spend time in front of the mirror. Every day, people driving down the road looking in the rearview mirror. I exhort you every day, start looking in the mirror. Not just as a religious activity, but lit by the glory of his grace. Open to the Holy Spirit. And he will show you you in the mirror and start to tell you about that. He'll tell you the history. When you say, wait a minute, look what I've done. How could I be that? He'll go back to the history. How can you be that? Yes, you did that, but Jesus did that. And now let me guide you into the truth that you are forgiven. Not mentally, but truly washed by the blood that shed on that cross. Now, I'm not just showing you, but I'm telling you how it happened. Now, put your faith in it and be that person. So, James chapter 21. I'm closing because I don't get the whole service. I already took half of it. Alan wants to share what he has, which is very important. James chapter 21 says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Not a hearer only. Because a man who's a hearer and not a doer is like a man who looks into the mirror. Walks away and immediately forgets what manner of man he was. Why? Because you're not just looking to see who you are. But in this, it tells you what you were created to do. Why do you look like you look? Why does Iron Man look like he looks? Right? When he looks like, what's the guy who who made Iron Man? Tony Stark. When he looks like Tony Stark, he's a great businessman, but he's not Iron Man. But when he puts on that Iron Man suit and looks in the mirror and it's all right, he's fixing to do something. When you look into this mirror, God says, I didn't just dress you up to not take you out. Come on, I dressed you in that robe of righteousness. I put that power in your hands. I put those words in your lips. Not for you to sit and go, woo, we're attractive. No, I did that all to dress you up and to take you out to do something. You're not just looking for who you are, but what you were created to do. And when you do what you were created to do, blessing starts flowing all over the place. But when you go and you don't do what you were created to do, you forgot what you look like you got to go back and have the Holy Spirit show you. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, as you've already been.